I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, and welcome to The Parenthood, the podcast where we discuss all things parenting, brought to you by The Bump Class. I'm Marina Fogel. And I'm Dr. Kiara Hunt. We're sisters, we're mothers, and we are founders of the Bunk Class. I am a doctor, I'm a GP in a busy London practice looking after lots of children and families. And we've spent the last five years preparing women for the birth of their babies on the Bunk Class. And one of the most consistent requests we get is that we do a postnatal class. We're flat out teaching the antenatal classes, but with this podcast, we've created the next best thing. Over this series, we're going to be taking you through the first year of your baby's life. We'll look at the milestones and we'll examine any challenges and how best to deal with them. It's a series, but it's not necessarily in order. So if you feel like jumping ahead or skipping back, do have a look at the entire series and hopefully it will be relevant to you. But this episode, we're starting with that shock, aren't we, Kiara? That moment where you first meet your baby. And even though you've had nine months to get used to the idea of being a parent, nothing quite prepares you for holding your baby for the first time. The realisation that he or she is your responsibility. Life has changed for good. Um, Hopefully, some of you will be listening to this podcast before your babies are born, because what we're going to talk about is um, immediately after the birth, what your baby looks like, the questions you might have. And you're probably not going to be want to be listening to this during the birth. But I do think it's worth being a little bit prepared for for the reality. I think I'm right, Chiara, in um, saying that uh, most people's preparation um, or certain, most people's understanding of birth, if it's their first baby, is sort of largely based on Hollywood or drama. And it's not a brilliant representation of, of the reality of the moment you give birth to your baby, is it? No, I think that's absolutely right. I think uh, Hollywood is quite un, uh, does not reflect uh, birth particularly well. And, uh, and certainly the moment and moments after your baby's born when you're you know, holding your baby for the first time. And, and also what your baby looks like the moment he's born which is not not as it is in Hollywood because <laughs> um, there's again the other myth is that not all babies cry when they're born or not all babies cry immediately um, and there's a good reason for this isn't there yeah no so um you know, most babies do cry quite quickly, but you know, when you've given birth to your baby and there's a, even just a few moments where you're not hearing anything, um, you know, most parents' hearts will be in their mouth thinking, is my baby okay? Is this normal? Is something wrong? Um, and actually it's important to remember that there are these amazing physiological changes that are happening in your baby's body at the moment of birth. Because of course, when they're in the uterus, they are being uh, nourished and oxygenated by the placenta, which is the organ obviously in your uterus, which is providing that to your baby. 
And when they're born, when they're in the uterus, they're not using their lungs. So their lungs are defunct. They're just they're just there for when they when they are out in the world. And when they're born, uh, suddenly they're using their lungs for the first time. That they're breathing for the first time. And it's not just using the lungs. That that the blood vessels going to the lungs are opening up and and being um, used for the first time. And the blood coming back from the lungs to the heart is being used for the first time. Similarly, there's a sort of there's a hole in the heart that that um, bypasses the lungs when the baby's in the uterus and that closes up at the moment of of birth so uh, there are all these really quite complicated changes going on so it's quite monumental physiological changes all of that happening in the first what minute two minutes of life yeah even quicker than that uh, often and uh, but but if you remember that then it's it's not surprising that some babies are born a little bit floppy a little bit sort of blue looking because actually they haven't oxygenated their lung their body yet by using their lungs and it's not until they start crying or breathing and using their lungs for the first time that they start going a bit you know pinky color and sort of crying and wiggling their arms and legs around and that's what obviously you're wanting to see but don't panic i've had lots of fathers saying to me i was i was terrified when i saw my baby for the first time because i thought something was wrong because they just looked a bit floppy and uh, and for a few moments that is completely normal and the and the midwives and and doctors looking after you will be will be keeping a very close eye on that and um, one thing I, I was totally unprepared for when I had um, babies was that your baby's not actually born in one contraction, that there's usually one contraction where the head is born. And then you usually wait a little bit for the next contraction where the body is born. So you have this period of time where your baby's head is born, but their body isn't. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're probably not making any noise. They're probably yeah. if you were to take a look, they'd look quite lifeless because essentially they don't feel like they're born yet yeah exactly well they're still being you've got to remember that at that point they've still got the blood supply and oxygen from the placenta they're not using their lungs yet and it's not until the second contraction usually which delivers the rest of the baby will stimulate the breathing and the crying and they start looking a bit more um a bit more normal so don't panic and if you're watching your baby being born uh, as the father or partner of the mother then just be prepared for that yeah it's normal so what usually happens is that the, when the baby is delivered, the midwives will um, put the baby as soon as possible onto the mother's chest. We know that that sort of skin to skin is, is really beneficial for the baby that, you know, birth is arguably quite traumatic for babies, even if it's very straightforward um, because your baby hasn't sort of known anything else. And then suddenly their little house that's been their home for the last nine months is contracting and they're being squeezed through the birth canal. So understandably, their heart rates are going and they're almost a little bit stressed when they come out. We know that by having sort of skin to skin either with the mother or the father but actually with any human is really beneficial um so usually what will happen is that the baby will be chased placed on the mother's chest and um and very often sort of stimulated sort of physically so vigorously rubbed because yeah. the midwives that- will often sort of get a towel and, and and rub the baby it looks like they're being quite quite aggressive because uh, they're rubbing the baby quite hard but that's important to stimulate the baby to breathe and to um, expel some of the mucus from the lungs so um so so that they will do that and, and the baby will be delivered straight onto the the mother and like you said they'll hear the comforting heartbeat which they're very used to they'll um they'll know the smell and have the warmth of the skin and they will normally um if you imagine that's happening but the umbilical cord is still attached to the placenta and the placenta is usually still well would still be at this point inside the mother so they will usually allow that to um the blood to pulse from the placenta to the to the baby for a few minutes um which is sort of standard practice now certainly in the uk it's called sort of delay, delayed cord clamping, um, clamping yes exactly so, so initially before, you used to cl- uh, cut and clamp the cord immediately and now they leave it for a, a couple of minutes yeah and i think you know it's a it, it 
it, we know that um, doing that will help a proportion, a small proportion of babies um, prevent them getting anemia in, in the sort of um, early childhood period. I mean, I think it's really it's a really good thing to do. It doesn't cost anything. It's completely safe. Um, but I think don't get too obsessed about it. If there's a reason that they are um, suggesting that they don't need to do that or they, 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 they can't do that for whatever reason, uh, your baby will be absolutely fine. Uh, all of us were born with, without delayed cord camping and, and actually most of our babies were too. Uh, it's just it's just that if there's no reason not to do it, then it's great to do it. Yeah. And as you said, it's only a small proportion of babies that actually benefit from it. And it's usually if you've had a healthy pregnancy, yeah, that's um, less the likelihood is there's that actually there's not a huge amount of, of added benefit. But there's, yeah. And there's no but there's no harm. So it's worth doing if if there's no reason not to. Yeah. Um, but then they will um, cut and clamp the cord. This is sometimes that uh, something that the, the father can get involved in. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of fathers like doing, and it's a sort of symbolic separation of mother and baby. That It's nice for the father to be involved in if they want to. If they don't, that's fine too. If you don't want to as a father, you know, it's not going to make you any less of a father not cutting the cord. Um, and, uh, and, and actually, a few things to know. If you do, uh, the cord then shrivels up and falls off over the next um, seven to ten days or so. Um, and the way you've cut it does not reflect whether what the baby's tummy button will eventually look look like. So you yeah, cannot lots, be <laughs> lots of people worried about the shape of you know the outie. Yeah, blame yeah. it on the dad. You can't blame it on the. It's dad. also not necessarily the easiest thing to cut. It's not like cutting a sort of ribbon, is it? It's a bit more grisly than yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So just be prepared for that. It's it's fine to do. You can't do it wrong. The midwives will tell you exactly how and where to do it. But yes, it's 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 usually um, a little bit grisly. <laughs> and then um unfortunately the sort of final part of labor is the delivery of the placenta which um which has to happen which we'll talk about in a different podcast um but that's usually quite straightforward um one of the first things they will ask you when your baby's born is about the vitamin k injection yeah which they is... normally um, let you have a bit of a cuddle with your baby for as long as as, as you like and then they'll, they'll ha- have a look at the baby and give them a quick check top to toe and put the do the weight and put the uh, nappy on and things like that um, and they will ask you about the vitamin k injection and this is something you've probably will have discussed with your midwife before the birth um, but it's a very safe injection of a vitamin which is vitamin k which uh, prevents something called hemorrhagic disease of the newborn so it's given a standard to all babies unless you particularly ask for it not to be given um, we know it's safe because it's given very very widely and um and essentially what it does is if 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 no baby was given vitamin k then uh, i think the statistics about 17 in every 1000 babies will develop hemorrhagic disease of the newborn which is potentially fatal so it's it's i think definitely worth having um and it's safe and it's effective you can have it as an injection people worry about their baby having an injection as soon as they're born but i promise you in the big scheme of things that day for your baby uh they're barely going to notice it yeah actually they tend to scream more being dressed for the first time yes. than having that injection that injection is often given while they're feeding and you yeah. don't even they yeah. don't even notice squirm it. Yeah. or anything do they no, certainly. there is an option to have it orally you can have it orally then you have to have it over the first few um days of your baby's life um and it's quite a bitter tasting medicine that they give it that you have it's the same substance that they're injecting yeah so the oral vitamin k is exactly the same medicine as the injected vitamin k it's just got to be given over three um doses and actually they have to give a larger 
amount of the vitamin K because very often uh, babies will vomit a bit up or pos it a bit. So, uh, and it's bitter tasting. And it's mm. not very nice. I'd say arguably uh, the fact that your you know your baby is kind of meant to have the sweet tasting colostrum as his first taste rather than this kind of substance. It's almost kinder to give the injection so that they can just focus on feeding and swallowing that lovely tasting colostrum. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. So one of the um, the sort of ways to observe how well your baby's doing in the immediate aftermath of birth um, is um, that they'll give your baby a score. It's called an APGAR score. Yeah, this is not something you need to be overly concerned about. It's really for the midwives and doctors looking after your baby to have an idea of how your baby's getting on. They're looking at all sorts of things from the baby's colour, tone, breathing, all sorts of things like that. And, um, and the, the, it's a score out of 10 that's done at one minute and five minutes. And... Uh, and uh, it will, depending on what the score is, it will sort of alert the midwives or doctors into um, possibly giving your baby a bit of extra care if needed. Um, so you might see it on your baby's discharge summary when you're, you know, the paperwork that you're sent home from hospital with. And it's normal for it to be a bit lower at one minute and be up to closer to 10 at, at five minutes. Um, so... Um, yeah, so it won't have any know. future bearing on your child's academic abilities. No, it does has no. It does nothing. I know it's awful. You sort of get your baby gets scored as the moment, the minute they're born, uh, but no, that it won't reflect uh, your child's future in any way at all. Um, I think at this point it's probably worth sort of talking a little bit about the special care unit. They do have a really low threshold in the UK, um, and actually in all in most places in the world for admitting babies for a little bit of extra help if that's needed it's really traumatic for a mother to have her baby sort of taken away from her um, usually the father um, if all is okay is allowed to go with the baby and I think the thing to remember is that um, as a mother you can you can go and visit your baby as soon as you're sort of up and about um, and that their ba- your baby is going to be really really well looked after very often babies go and spend a couple of hours in the special care and then they'll come back to you um, yeah, and ultimately it's better that they're having the best possible care and observation in those first few hours to prevent anything happening. Um, and they'll only do that if, they, if they've got a concern, but um, it's probably a good thing to have a low threshold for that. But as you say, it can be a bit traumatic. Wasn't wasn't yours, wasn't Ludo yeah, taken? Yeah, he was. I remember he, he went into special care when he was born and it was it was horrible, but they were incredibly kind and supportive there. The, the, the nursing staff are phenomenal. I was encouraged to uh, initiate breastfeeding initially through tube. Um, I would express the milk and, and feed him through a tube. Um, and then, you know, they were really supportive with helping me establish breastfeeding. I think the key thing for me was just trying to ask as many questions as possible and not to sort of suppose things were worse than they actually are. One good thing to note is that you know they have to be really honest with you so if they're saying listen this is precautionary you think everything's going to be fine that is genuinely what they think if they have any specific concerns they have to tell you about them so um do ask them questions i remember going in and they were doing a brain scan and i thought oh what are they not telling me about this baby and you know, they then told me, oh, it's standard procedure. Every baby that comes in here has a brain scan and that we don't have any specific concerns. And that in itself was really reassuring. So I think if you are in that situation, ask lots of questions, you know, use the support you'll be given and think of it as a positive because, you know, it really is is, is a huge privilege to have that as standard in, in most of the countries yeah, we're delivering in. Concerns. Yeah, no, that's true. So most babies, though, tuttle in for a bit of a cuddle with mother and father and you sort of start to look at your baby and you think, oh, that doesn't look like the films. Yeah. <laughs> Is my baby normal? And newborn babies look a bit odd, don't they? I mean, I've, I've lost, no, lost count of the amount of uh, friends who've sent me pictures of newborn babies, especially before I had my own. And I thought, ooh, 
really not much of a looker <laughs> but they are a bit sort of odd looking when they're they first can born be. they can be a bit a bit odd looking and um but i think also mother nature is very clever because actually to you to the parents it will be the most beautiful baby they have ever seen um but yes they are often a bit battered and bruised because they've been born and the day of the baby's birth is probably one of the most physical and traumatic of their life um so if they've had a normal if you've had a normal delivery um the, the baby's usually been squeezed through the birth canal so it's not uncommon for the for them to have a slightly odd shaped head um again this will get better usually within the first few days but and um, they sometimes have a bit of a cone shaped head if they've been squeezed through the birth canal especially if they've had you know it's taken a little while and they, they you know they might be a bit bruised they might have a bit of bruising on their head or face especially if there's been any help so sort of delivering them what, using forceps yeah or if they've had to use any or... anything like that there might be a bit of swelling from that which settles very very quickly Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. They're quite blue, aren't they? Because it's it's the oxygen in the blood that makes it red, isn't it? Yeah, so this is literally at the moment of birth, they can be a bit blue when they're actually born and they'll often be covered in a bit of blood, which is your blood, not theirs. Um, and they'll also have this um, this vernix, this sort of creamy substance that's been protecting their skin whilst they're in the uterus um, on their skin too, um, basically stopping it getting all shrivelly from the amniotic fluid it's been sitting in. Uh, and we know that this vernix is is actually really beneficial for the baby to be to be absorbed into their skin. So we don't wash babies or bath babies as soon as they're born. We we let them absorb all that uh, all that nice vernix and get their, make their skin nice and soft. So yes, but they they can look a bit greasy and 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 bloody. When when they're actually born they'll just be wiped down and uh, yeah that's normal don't worry about that they can often be quite hairy too because this this hair is used to sort of anchor the vernix onto their skin exactly so with fair-haired babies you don't really notice that they're sort of covered in a fine hair but if both parents are dark haired you might well notice that you know your little girl has a hairy back and yeah. a hairy tummy it's sort of very, it's very fine downy hair um but yes it does Even worry parents face, sometimes yeah sometimes have. yeah and it does it does concern parents a bit that they're going to have this hairy child but it's 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 hair that it's called lanugo and it's hair that will fall out within the first few weeks so don't panic about it the other thing uh, which you'll probably notice during the sort of first nappy change is that their genitals are actually very swollen. quite swollen yes yeah, so it's really normal for them from for that to be for their sort of uh, for the scrotum or even female genitals to be quite swollen um at birth uh which which can be a bit of a shock um, to parents, but uh, that's all to do with the mother's hormones, and and that settles. It's not going to be uh, it's not going to be long term. Dads <laughs> often get very proud. Yeah, <laughs> there's my boy. Yeah. Um, what else? So they um, they often have a few birthmarks on them. 
Um, and that's quite most of these are quite normal. The most common is a what we sometimes call a stalk mark, which is a little red um, mark on the forehead, which is usually accompanied by a bit of a mark at the back of their head, but, but it's their hairline, isn't it? Usually V-shaped. It can be sort of patchy and vascular, so it's sort of yeah, it is. It sort of looks like a bit of a rash actually often, um, and that will normally settle. They'll have that for a few months. It usually is gone by the time they're one. Um, and then sometimes um, babies, especially darker skinned babies, will have sort of something called a Mongolian blue spot or a few of those, which can like look like bruises actually on babies' um, skin. So, um, but they're they're birthmarks, and and there's lots more. Usually, the doctors, if there's anything more than that, would be would be telling you about them and talking you through it in hospital. Um, and they're often quite yellow looking, aren't they? They're a bit jaundiced. So it's normal. Uh, well, a lot of babies are jaundiced, not the moment they're born. They shouldn't be jaundiced or yellow at the moment they're born. But it does often develop in the first day or two, uh, starting at sort of day three until about day 10. And that's kind of considered normal, especially if you're breastfeeding. Um, if, if they're born yellow, then the doctors will be wanting to do some tests. Um, or if it continues longer than day 10, then again, they'll want to check that everything's all right. Um, but yes, for them being a bit yellow uh, a few days in is, is quite normal. And I think I feel a bit guilty because especially if you haven't had your baby yet, we've basically painted the picture <laughs> of the ugliest little thing you've ever seen. And you're probably thinking, oh, really? But honestly, nature, as Kiara said, is so clever. It it enables you to it sort of puts on these rose tinted spectacles and very often to parents that little baby is the most beautiful baby that was ever born and, and you'll we'll, see and will smell absolutely delicious oh, the smell is amazing of newborn babies even other people's newborn yeah. babies i think smells amazing but you know for you you'll often you'll take loads of pictures and the time you're not with your baby you're actually looking at those pictures um my one of my favorite anecdotes from the bump class is a girl who who did it a few years ago he said that um she fa- she remembers distinctly walking around the sort of postnatal ward and feeling so guilty because her baby was so much more beautiful than all the other children in the whole ward. She she said, you know, she actually felt a little bit embarrassed that she had this wonderfully angelic looking child. And then she said that... Um, uh, you know, six months later, she was flicking through photos of her baby when he was born. And she sort of startled. Took a double at, take. Yeah, because he literally had a wonky head and was like <laughs> bruising on one eye and, and all these things we've just explained to you. Um, but in those moments, she thought that this child was the most beautiful thing that had ever been born. Yeah. So enjoy it absolutely and I think don't worry if you feel nervous or self-conscious or even lacking in confidence about handling and feeding your new baby it's really normal to feel like that but it doesn't mean that you are ill-qualified um, to, to handle and look after your baby and spend as much time as you can holding and cuddling don't worry at this stage about you know bad habits and your baby not learning to sleep in a crib I think that physical contact especially in those first few days is so important it's such a and to give you confidence and your and you know your partner or the baby's father you know everyone involved it's crucial adjustment yeah. and you just need to spend as much time kind of hunkering down and getting to know each other you become possible. an expert in baby care very quickly don't you? even if you've never changed a nappy before you've had a baby you will be doing it in the dark with one hand (laughs) before you know it I think it's also worth uh, preparing you for the emotional your sort of how you're going to feel emotionally after your baby's born certainly from a personal experience I remember people saying to me you know the moment you hold your baby the moment they're born you'll feel this tremendous rush of love and it feel like you know your world has come together and everything is okay and I really did sort of hold on to that feeling during a sort of long and grueling labor but actually when my son was finally born I was really relieved he was here and that he was safe Um, but I was also ready just to 
you know, have a piece of toast and a cup of tea. I couldn't, didn't really even want to make a decision on his name just yet because I was exhausted. And I think that, you know, very often, you can often blame the hormones for this because often, uh, uh, well, always a large amount of adrenaline is released into the system of a woman. And very often that sort of will make her feel a bit more on edge um, and a little bit more a little bit less emotional when the baby is born. And I think it's worth preparing you for whatever happens. Some women do catch their baby and feel complete. Um, And some women, like I did, feel relieved, but not that emotional about it. Um, And I just think it's worth preparing you that either of those is normal. Um, And if you don't feel that rush of love at the beginning, the likelihood is, is that, you know, a couple of hours in when things are a little bit more, you know, less frenetic, when there are fewer people in the room and you're maybe dozing with your baby on your chest, that you will suddenly feel that connection. Or maybe it will take a couple of days, even a couple of weeks. But I think be patient because more often than not, it will come and then you'll never look back. Yeah. But I think you don't want worrying, to pan- you know, don't panic that you haven't felt that immediately. And because the more you panic, the more that, that you'll worry about it. Uh, so I think it will come, as you say, for most people. And I, I see a lot of women in there sort of few weeks after their baby's born. And we always talk about this and, and it's different for every woman. And I say about half women I see don't feel that immediate rush of love. So don't worry about that. But fathers, on the other hand, are usually quite emotional. In fact, mothers are usually the least emotional person in the room. Um, the medical student or the midwife student seeing a birth for the first time is usually in floods of tears. I certainly was because <laughs> it is very emotional, even if you've never met these people before. Um, and it is for the father a, you know, a very emotional experience. They've gone through the whole labor process with their partner and they've seen their baby being born and held their baby for the first time. And I think it can be even in the most unemotional of men, uh, a, a pretty a pretty special experience. So don't you know, be prepared as a dad for being you know, for feeling a bit emotional, perhaps getting a bit teary at that moment of birth. And that's great. It's normal. That first hour, I think, is really precious. That first hour of your baby's life, because most babies are born really quite alert. You know, they're looking, you're using your eyes and seeing for the first time. They're hearing properly for the first time. And, and even though they can't see that far, they can, if you're holding them, sort of see your face. And you'll often find that they're sort of fiercely looking around and they are really alert in that first hour. Thereafter, they tend to sort of go to sleep and sort of do a lot of sleeping and feeding but as a result I think that first hour is really important that you your little unit as a family is sort of engaging and cherishing that baby rather than busily sending texts you know we live in an uh, we live in a world where people expect to have communication instantly and it's very common for new parents to feel they must contact the wider family and let them know that the baby's here and the baby's safe but very often then what happens is that that first hour is spent engaging more with your phone than you do with your baby and actually I think now is the time to be a little bit selfish and to say you know what this is our little family this is our unit and we need to prioritize our needs Um, so I think you know two things if, if if you're you know having a sort of natural labor you obviously don't know when your baby's going to be born but maybe don't give a sort of you know hourly account of progress um so that you feel sort of that you have to tell people immediately that the baby's born and explain to family before the the, the labor starts that you will try and just have that first hour two hours three hours just you guys as a family and that no news is good news um so that hopefully they sort of respect and understand that um but do be organized you know if you um if you can maybe create a little distribution list so that you just have to send one text saying baby's here 
all great. Um, but I think it's obviously more difficult if you know you're having a cesarean, they'll often give you a, they'll give you a time um, that you're having the cesarean. Again, don't share that with too many people because of course everyone will be waiting to hear. Remember too, you might be in an operating theater where you know you don't have reception or the the, the operation might be shunted back because there's a there's a you know, an emergency procedure that has to has to go in before you. So I think that these are all the last things you need to be stressing about. So if I think you kind of keep your cards quite close to your chest and don't let people know exactly when the baby's going to be born if you do know it and just sort of warn people that you are going to be quite private about that first hour. I think that that works quite well. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think that's a precious, precious time with new family. And maybe one one tip to dads, if you take a, a, a picture, which everyone wants a picture of your baby, um, if you take a picture and before you send it out, especially if it has your, your partner in it, just okay it with everyone concerned before you send it to sort of everyone on Facebook because sometimes mothers can, well, often they're in a sort of state of undress um, at, at that stage, but also it's just, it's a stress you don't need that you've sort of distributed a photo that they're not happy with. Yeah, definitely. So I hope you found that helpful. We will continue in this series with what will happen while you're in hospital. Our next episode might well be one that you want to listen to before your baby's born or even download the podcast for when you are in hospital because it'll be full of great tips in terms of managing your hospital stay. So please do listen to the rest of the series. I hope you've enjoyed it. Do follow us on Instagram at theparent.hood or download the whole series. If you subscribe to The Parenthood, then all of our new podcasts will appear in your podcast library so that you can listen to them as and when you need. I hope you've enjoyed the, uh, the podcast. Thank you for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.